the Flash rebirth. <laughs> Go on. My sum- the soundboard's gone. I'll let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish, but Beyonce had the... (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Barry, Barry, I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. But Wally was the best Flash of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I need someone to animate that now, please. 100%. 100%. Okay. Get on to it, Toops. Get get to it. (laughs) All right. Three. Two, one. <laughs> I felt like there was more. I felt like we were missing some bits that were probably cut out. And yeah. I wish we got something more well-rounded because um, after watching the movie and hearing James Gunn talk about it, I'm genuinely curious what the third movie would have been if he didn't have to pick up the pieces of Infinity War and Endgame, because I don't know if you knew about this, Jay, but he didn't decide to kill Gamora off in that movie. That was Kevin Feige. That was a Russo job. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, like, he kind of said that it kind of pissed him off, but he didn't really say it pissed him off, but you can kind of tell. That wasn't his intention. He wasn't going to, like, kill her off in that movie. He actually considered killing her off in the second movie. But he was not expecting that to even be a thing after he decided not to do it. So it's making me wonder what his third movie would have been because he had to basically rework his whole thing by this third movie. I I have a couple issues, admittedly. Um, the one thing that really upset me uh, the most out of this movie was that it felt like it was a series of fake outs and then... I'm sorry to spoil this, but here's your spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Daenerys, press the button. Press the button, Daenerys. Do we have a spoiler alert button? I don't know. Choose a button, Daenerys. Go for it. Okay, this is the spoiler button. This is your spoiler warning. This is it. This is the time. Leave now. If you don't care, this is goodbye. (laughs) Uh, For those who uh, have seen it and want to know what we think um yeah i don't like that the story is just a series of fake out deaths and then they just split up anyway yeah which is what really what exists throughout the story i i would have liked to have actually seen rocket go through their journey as opposed to the journey is to help rocket and then for them to leave rocket because they just learned that they have a lot of issues they need to figure out in their own ways. Cause that's what, that's what the guardians learn here. In the end of the day, we see them break up because they're, they're, they're too disjointed of a team. Now things have changed too much in between them as people, but now it's time for them to explore their own lives, which is fine. I'm totally fine with that. And it's sad in its own right, you know, and I'm not saying that a character needed to die either. But I also then don't need a whole movie where it's about, oh, Rocket may die, but he doesn't. Hmm. And then we were going to see Drax die twice, but we don't. And then I swear James Gunn was laughing in his little chair at the end of the movie when Chris Pratt is supposed to die, Star-Lord. 
and his face gets all puffy and okay, everything. Okay, now that was a fake Only out right him. there. That made no sense to that me. That was so unnecessary. And I get it. It's supposed to also feel like this fun redemption moment for Adam Warlock. But Adam Warlock also doesn't he need to He waited too damn movie. long. Like, the th I can understand how in number two, where we had a similar situation. Actually, we had similar situations that happened three times in the first movie, the second movie, and now this movie where Star-Lord was out in space without a, damn hel without a damn helmet. And in those other two movies, it was within a second that he was saved. Fine, I can get that. But in this one, they purposely had his face puff up. They purposely had the music making it seem like he was going to die. And it was like a while that he was out there. And, and it's wild because a way that I could have bought that a little bit more is if James Gunn would have just said, like, he still has a little bit of the ego powers. But it's the way that he keeps doubling down saying, no, Peter has none of those powers anymore. He's 100% normal. So if he's 100% normal, dude, he can die like a dude. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah that, that whole thing of sprinkled in of him being like a god or whatever mm -hmm. is not important to the story at all but it sounds like it was supposed to gomora is so insignificant to the story and the grand scheme of things which hurts because gomora was like my second favorite guardian and I, I, my I wish first they favorite guardians barely in the fucking movie yeah i wish they could have done something more with gomora if i'm being quite honest i wish yeah that uh i don't know I, I liked her in the movie and i liked the message of Peter, um, Star-Lord, having to realize that you got to let go. And he's also starting to not run away from his problems anymore at the end. Uh, I like that. like that message. I wish there was more for her to do. And, and like, I know there could have been easier ways. There could have been a really, there could have been an easy-ass way. They could have had Mantis, because we've seen Mantis be able to do emotions and all that other type of yep. shit, right? Yep, yep, yep. There could have been a way for him to supercharge her powers to allow the new Gamora to remember the old Gamora's memories. A part of me wishes that he did something like that, but a part of me is like, at the same time, though, that would have been a little too easy. Yeah. So, yeah, like, what's true. your thoughts on that? Like, would, no, would you have liked that or not? I don't know, man. Like, I feel as though the story that I would even just wanted out of the Guardians is just so different than what even came close to what come out. You know, mm -hmm. everything about this film doesn't have like it has great moments to it where I I can enjoy it. And I feel as though I don't have any of these kind of like issues. And then there's other times when I do. And there's also feels as though there's moments where there's different beats that we're going along, but we don't even need to be here. Like um, like the whole like prison sequence or whatever with like the space guys when we're on the mine. Like, even that part of the story just kind of felt pointless, you yeah. know? Sylvester Stallone, pointless. Yeah. The Ravagers, point I honestly didn't expect the Ravagers to be reluctant to help out the Guardians because you would have thought Yondu was the... I mean, yeah, Yondu got fired in the second movie. I just remembered that. But, like, they know Peter. Um, so I thought they would have had, like, some type of yeah. connection. Yeah. They would have given a shit after the whole Ravenger thing. Mm -hmm. and, and again, now imagine too if like Yondu didn't die in that movie and they just faked out the death. Like the core of that story is gone. You know, again, I'm not saying that someone has to die, but I feel as though a whole a bunch of marks were missing where, yeah, characters were underutilized. 
where yeah. the shit could have been handled mantis specifically which sucks because mantis also had a great time with the character you know you can tell both for the actress and in the story like she she grows a lot exactly and i'm grateful for those kind of moments but no yeah there could have been tons of different ways they could have fixed this and went around this no, and... I don't want to like turn this into us like talking about all the negative stuff about the movie. But I will say, no, a lot of stuff I liked about the movie. I gotta say, the crown jewel of this movie was a high evolutionary. He was an yeah, amazing villain. Dude, villain like was I really loved good. his line where one of his people that worked with him said, "Oh my God," and he snapped and said, "There is no God. That's why I had to step in." What? That line alone is fucking awesome. And the delivery. I, I could have taken him as the new villain as opposed to like Kang. Yeah. Whatever. I could have taken this guy for sure as the next Thanos. I mean, he's alive. So how, hey. like, he's hammed. I get it. He was so hammed up. And I know some people have issue with that. But I mean, like, that's what a lot of these characters are. Like, mm -hmm. think of like Mojo. Mojo is so extra. Always back like, to Mojo. Outside of the fact that he's like this big putrid fucking turd looking thing. He's just so full of himself. And this guy who is believing as though he is the right to the next evolutionary step, mm -hmm. you know, like it makes Ego look like a fuckboy, which is all he kind of was, was a yeah. fuckboy. High evolutionary feels like this next big deal. Every villain that James Gunn has made always feels like a big deal. I'll He's say good that. with his villains. Even, He's good with his villains. Even Ronan the Accuser, which like may not be the most memorable mm, villain. I think he missed the mark that with that. That movie wasn't about the villain. It was about the Guardians getting together. Exactly. The second movie is about Peter Quill's relationship with fatherhood and Raccoon's understand uh, rock, Raccoon and Rocket's understanding as to what family means. This third movie is supposed to stem more on those, but doesn't do a great job at it, you know? And if Rocket was around during this, I feel like that would have helped both of their relationships, um, as well as see more fun character moments with High Evolutionary, who does have great moments and standout moments in this film. I would have loved to have seen more of him. I would have loved to have seen what rocket thought during the chase and have these moments and flashbacks be with himself you know and i know that other mo movies have done that but it still would have worked i don't feel as though putting him in this coma and just showing the flashbacks anyway sometimes when he's not even there and he's not even been present in like three different scenes it just things feel so disjointed i disagree and i feel like this movie felt more like a rocket's movie despite the fact it was primarily his um, backstory. He was like the main point and reason of this story, and I'm glad that he got to shine yeah. in the end. And all the beats with his past shit, I was tearing up in the theater. It was sad. And it was the fact that he ultimately finally started going by Rocket, Rocket Raccoon. That's pretty awesome, I would say. And uh, apparently in James Gunn's uh, Superman movie, um a leak came out or at least a rumor said that the villain might be brainiac and i'm genuinely curious on how he's going to just show that on screen yo and i could see yeah, it yeah that would be bizarre yeah but um, you know what I'm, the real question is let us know your thoughts on tank girl yeah. and on guardians and of the galaxy guardians exactly me, i feel like we could do a whole episode on guardians 3 i think so if we don't do it here i'm gonna do something for my channel Let's go for it. to my YouTube channel. Let's go for it. Yeah. 
No, that's very true. Uh, as well as the fact that his, like... Um, how do I want to put it? His crippling anxiety with uh, wanting everyone to love him. You know, yeah. the fact that his image controls every little part of him. He, he's so insecure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing about those super characters that gets talked about maybe in like a couple of issues heart to heart with like members of a justice league or whatever the fuck right Mm -hmm. but there's something about the way how he handles it and the fact that no one is there really like like no one really has the ability to hold on to what it really creates a team and i think that that's so interesting because i see that kind of shit at like my job you know what i mean like some people just allow that kind of workplace to exist, whether for one way or another. And the fact that we're seeing that represented into a superhero show and then also make it this idea of them being a celebrity into that fact. Yeah. Like it, it adds, I don't know. It's, it's a whole bunch of dimensions that I've not seen a lot of stuff do. Well, it feels like, um, like the boys really felt like, and this was, I think was the, this was kind of like the horrifying part of it. It kind of felt like, if this if superheroes were real i dead ass feel like it would be like the boys like i really do feel like it because it's like um in comics in that universe you're lucky you're lucky that the superheroes are good guys you're lucky that they have good values and they have a good head on their shoulders And, and whereas villains yeah they still come up and do questionable things but luckily there's actually heroes who are actually good people but in the real world i feel like if we had superheroes there'd be a lot of morally gray in the Mm. power people who get powers uh and i don't really think we'd have a clear-cut hero if it was in the real world we'd have some people who probably were like decent but i feel like someone who would have make all the right decisions and know what to do I don't know. I don't think we'd have that. I don't think we'd have someone. It, it would be just our luck if we got someone like Homelander. And mm-hmm. it's interesting how, like, within the writing of the boys, there's so many nuances throughout his character, throughout all the characters. Um, Homelander is racist. He's narcissistic. He's all these different things. Also, Jay, mind you, you know, some people didn't pick up that Homelander was racist. That's kind of odd. Yeah, his girlfriend no, was a Nazi. Exactly. Especially with this most recent season when they actually decided to do a lot more parallels to the whole Donald Trump campaign and th- stuff See, that season. And a lot of people didn't pick up on the fact that Homelander was racist. It kind of reminds me of how with uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, when um, U.S. agent the Chris Walker or whatever, there was a lot of discourse when that show came out because a lot of people were like, wow, I feel so bad for Chris Walker. But a lot of people of color were like, I don't really feel bad for him because he's racist and he's written in a way where you probably wouldn't know unless you really like was looking into it. I don't know. I feel like it's a lot more. I, I feel like if people aren't recognizing it, they're not really paying attention to everything that he's doing. He yeah. literally said to Starlight, I refuse to have a Muslim on the seven. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, when She's he made fucking, that joke, about I don't Mexican want Captain Al Qaeda on the seven. Like that is that is straight up racist. Yeah, flat you out. Know? And flat you out. also got to think who his dad is. Oh, true. And it's interesting because it's like Soldier Boy. I liked how they even did a good job of making us feel kind of bad for him as well too. And it's interesting because it's like 
you know how I, I know we were talking about how like I am getting kind of tired of the whole sympathetic villain thing because sometimes having a person just be evil is okay. And I think the boys does a good job of like allowing us to understand why they're doing this and allowing us to have some type of like empathy towards them. But at the end of the day, it's like make no mistake, these characters are still fucked up and evil. And I think See, that's I what I like about it. I don't know. I feel like if I lived in this world, I would become much like a Billy Butcher kind of guy. Yeah. But like, I really, again, you're I not really supposed did. to know. He worked for the government. That's how he was able to know that they weren't shit. I mean, that's fair. But I mean, like, yeah, no, I guess that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd still be cynical, though. I, I feel like I'd be cynical. Like, I'd be well, in between. The thing is, like, I don't feel bad anytime when the when the superheroes get hurt. I mean, yeah. like, I care about our protagonist. You know what I mean? Like, I care when, like, Kamiko gets hurt or, like, what is her name? Queen Maeve? Oh, yeah, Maeve. I care when she gets, you know, because she's gone through a lot of shit. But, it, like, anytime anything, like, bad happens to Homelander, there's not a point where I ever feel good towards the character to feel sympathy towards him. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Because, I don't know, there's something about how that character is the fact that deep down inside there, there really is nothing other than the fact of him seeing that superiority complex to fight, despite the fact that he would rather bitch and moan about those who gave him that uh, pedestal. I'm not saying that he always has to just clap around his, his, his hands like they're symbols, you know, and just perform. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he allows this insecurity to over like like to become his whole personality is what becomes the only point where I guess I can pity that character mm -hmm. just because that is a terrible situation to put a kid through, but he's also very well aware of his own actions, uh, despite the fact that he's also kind of just fucked up and demented in his head, you know? Exactly. He kills people for fun and he let children die and he kills kids and he's you know, he's racist and he's raped a woman. Multiple. Uh, multiple women. Yeah. And it's interesting that, like, I like how they're able to also make their world feel very lived in and shit. Uh, especially mm. how um, when the first season, it's like if it's like a blink, you'll miss it. And he, Homelander said that there was a time where he had a secret identity, kind of similar to the whole Clark Kent thing. And then he finally was like, fuck it and got rid of it. That's interesting. It's like, I wish I wish we would have seen that. Well, how long did he have the secret identity for? What was that like, having to pretend to be human? But what'd that be like? Like, I'm curious. Like, I mean, it, it would be similar to how he acts in, to the public, but even when he's, like, putting on that face to the public, he still comes off like a dick. So I'm curious what that was like for him to do. Uh, I don't know. There's so many just... I love the writing in the show. And I just like how they write those characters. It's just, yeah, they're fucked up people. They're well done three-dimensional people. Mm -hmm. You you can really find ways to sympathize for characters like Frenchie and Kamiko and Marvin especially, you know. Mm -hmm. Can Marvin's we talk about like, season two, though, when they beat the fuck out of uh, Stormfront? I've rewatched that three times. Me too. I play Girls every now get it done, man. Dude. Every time I like every now and then I think about it and I hop on YouTube and I'm like, you know, let me turn that on. 
That was the best paced thing ever. And I remember when it came out, you know, that whole scene was supposed to be like a fuck you to that Marvel scene in the uh, Avengers movie, Endgame. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, what? It was supposed to be. Yeah, they even said it. The writers even said that. Hmm. Because, like, there's a little bit of, like, a lot of people kind of didn't really care for that scene in uh, Endgame where she has help or whatever. And it was primarily because it just felt very forced and it didn't feel like if they were going to do a scene like that, a lot of people were saying like it could have been better. So the writers um, and I think there was a decent amount of um, female writers in the writers room for this. They actually purposely made that joke in the show huh. as a response. So that's funny. It was like it was me, Barry. When that girl kissed you on the cheek and you came in your pants, I oh, jerked you that. off at supersonic yes. speed. <laughs> <laughs> but you know something—that's the type of shit that he would do. Like <laughs> that really would be it. I'm holding all my thoughts in until we dive into the story. But you know, my first introduction to the Flash would have to be uh, kind of similar to yours, Connor. Like the Justice League show. Um, I would say that was like my first introduction to the character. And I would say a lot of the intrigue went further to like this one book that I got from the library that was a uh, an amazing book, a gorgeous book. It was like a t- it was like the size of like a coffee table book, so it was like big, and uh, it was from a, it was from a library, and it was a collection of these short mini stories that Alex Ross and Paul Dini wrote called Justice. Uh, it was like Justice League Legends or whatever, and Alex Ross. Like, each story was a short story about each character's origin story. And if you know Alex Ross, you know his shit is gorgeous. It's, like, painted and it looks real, all type of shit. So each character had their own. And I think the one that was really interesting to me was the Flash one because it was, like, mostly all red. Fucking epic. Fucking amazing. Uh, I loved Wonder Woman's, too. But, like, everyone's in there was fucking awesome. And I remember I got it from the library when I was a kid, and I'd read it over and over and over and over again because I fucking loved that book. Uh, surprised I didn't go and buy it, but uh, I'd say that was my first introduction. And I got to say, Wally West is the best Flash. Like, maybe I'm biased because that's the Flash that, like, technically was, like, the Flash when I was a kid. Maybe that's it. Uh, but I don't know. And it's and something about the fact that, like, Barry is giving – Uber, mm, Uber Republican, Uber Wonder Bread, like I don't know, Uber White Bread. I don't know something about Barry giving that. I don't know, not really vibing with him. But I do fucks with Barry though. I like him. Mm-hmm. But we'll get more into Here, that. Here's uh, here's a question right now though. I kind of wanna, kind of wanna get handled, settled straight out of the way. Little, little out of nowhere, little off the cuff, Damon. I didn't, uh, I didn't prepare you for this one, so I. Uh, Hope you don't mind, but I I wanted to bring up this little little thing on here, little little battle between the two real quick, quick conversation before we get into the show over uh, which show do we find more iconic than for their character? Would you say the Flash's live action show, not the CW one, talking about that old one from the nineties, young oh, Mark Hamill, yeah, or 60s Batman. 60s Batman? Or like, which one is yeah, like, wait, what's know. the question? I'm confused. Which would you rather? Would which, rather which watch? Which you prefer? Which is a better, like, representation yeah. in the character? Yeah, which you, Ooh. yeah. The Battle of the Two. I only watched, like, one episode of, like, the 90s Flash show, surprisingly. Okay. 
Okay. I would say. Was it also the one with Mark Hamill as the trickster? Because that's one of my favorites. It wasn't. Yeah. That. It was the first episode. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I would say. Ooh. I would want to say 60s Batman because it's kind of a time capsule of like the golden age of Batman. Or is it? No, it's not golden age. Whatever the ages are when like each. Silver age. Had... Silver age, right? Silver age, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, I don't think it's silver age. I don't know. It would be because like that's all. Um, that's when the villains became more goofy and representations of uh, like their names. Like the Joker became like an actual clown. And that was when, like, the Riddler only just did Riddle stuff and puzzle-related only crimes. And but that's when they the had, like, Egghead and shit. Batman had rainbow suits and, like, was doing yes. space shit and random shit. Okay. Yeah. It's All around right. the same time whenever Batmite came around, too, and stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God, Batmite. All that type of yeah. shit. All that type of Can't shit. Can't forget Batmite. It's, like, a good representation of all of that. So, like, I couldn't entirely say, is it accurate to the character? I mean, it is a little bit. Whereas the 90s Flash show, I would say, like, it's still a good show. But if we're looking at accuracy and depictions, I think it got, like, a decent amount correct. Well, there's certain things that probably didn't get didn't get as correct. But then again, I'm basing it off mm-hmm. of one episode, so I don't know. Uh, all right, all right. So, you know, Connor, Connor in your opinion, what would you say? Are you uh, proficient in the 90s Flash and the 60s Batman? Not as much the 60s Batman, but the 90s Flash okay. I've watched cool. a, like, hot bit of. Um, just because actually what got me into it was I was watching the CW flash with my parents and when, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the actor's name who played the flash back then. Uh, John Wesley Um, Ship, I think. Thank you. Uh, he plays Barry's dad in the CW. Um, and so that's dope. Yeah. It's so cool. Like he plays, uh, Mr. Allen and like, Later on, when Barry uh, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen the CW show. Um, oh and if yeah, you're here, hold on. on. We got it. like a little. We got like a little spoiler. Spoiler sound. Is it? It's the air horn, right? Or is it? Yeah, it's gotta be. Okay, here. Here's a little spoiler for uh, for the Flash cool. CW. Go for it. Um, but basically, they they do the whole like running into different universes and shit like that. And when he runs into a different universe, he is the Flash, and he is oh. Jay Garrick. Um, and he's got the Jay Garrick, like, Perfect get up casting. on. Right? That's so sick. Yeah. Perfect, Perfect casting. So sick. Like, if he comes and, back, I want like, him to come back. And it was that moment when my parents were like, oh, my God. And I was like, what? What are we freaking out about? And they're like, that was the Flash <laughs> when we were kids. And I was like, oh, shit, I kind of want to check this out. And, like, as I watched it, I was like, this guy's a good Barry Allen. Like, it, it's kind of like what you were saying, Damon. He's very wonderbred. He's very, like, he he the the thing i kind of like about like wally and like sometimes barry is their wittiness and he mm. did not play that like he did not play the like witty barry allen he was just like yeah like i am the flash and i it is it's a lot like what we're about to talk about in rebirth where it's like you're guilty or you're not guilty yeah and like we're handling it you know what i mean yeah. Interesting. That okay. 90s uh, cool. Flash show was kind of like a reaction because like, it came out in the early 90s. It was kind of a reaction to Batman 89, so much so that the theme song for that show was done by Danny Elfman, who did Batman 89. Uh, and that's really? why like the 90s show took place at like nighttime a lot because they wanted it to still be dark, but also something that still was like good toward the Flash. They're like, guys, Batman did very well. 
Let's just keep doing stuff like Batman for a while. Shit. And if we'll figure something out in like two decades, but we'll all be gone or dead, so it won't matter. Yeah. They'll figure it out. But but you know something? They were like, hey guys, you know how they had Kiss from a Rose uh, in Batman? We're gonna do start back at one vibes, okay? Like that. That's what. That's a good one. <laughs> absolutely absolutely but you know something going off what jay just said though mm. i don't think warner brothers or the movie industries they didn't learn the lesson because they're still fucking relying on <laughs> batman look at that new flash movie but hey oh true goodness. okay yeah can real quick too about the flash film sorry not another segue i wa uh read through a twitter thread and it went through the long complicated history of just trying to get a flash movie out and that was going on since like the 80s and the list of directors and different cast members and rights uh, and rewriting and rewrites that the script went through fucking insane i'm actually so surprised that they were able to get any flash movie out <laughs> to this day just because when you think of all the issues that even this flash movie that they have finally come out mm -hmm. so much stuff so many things that were bad for pr and development for the film not to mention, you know, Ezra Miller. Oh, oh yeah, and Ezra oh, Miller. Okay, okay. We're uh, mentioning the name. We're dropping choke, the name. <laughs> choke slamming, uh, choke slamming people and and uh, thinking they're hot shit. Had that Homelander kind of look at the at the red carpet. Y'all see that? Yeah. Uh -huh. That kind of like yeah. kind of stare. Oh goodness. Oh my god. Can I so, can I say something about the movie real quick? Yeah. I think they missed out so bad on such an opportunity. Like, with the Michael Keaton Batman. Like, I, I get that they could have gone two directions, right? I I think they should have gone the Spider-Man No Way Home route. Like, keep him out of the trailer. Don't, t don't say anything. Let the oh, rumors yeah. build. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they full-on edited Tobey Maguire and Andrew uh, Garfield out of the trailer for No Way Home. And then yeah. when you saw them in the theater, oh my God, everybody like, in the you theater you were expecting blew it too. Up. You expected yeah. it, but like you, you, but you, it still was surprising. Like, uh huh. I'm they still laughing. Done that with Keaton, bro. Yeah. Like, do you know how many adults would have lost their shit seeing Keaton's Batman just poof, like drop? Oh my goodness, it would have been amazing. I, I, I was thinking that same thing. I remember when they did a concept art for DC Fandom. They had shown it. Yeah, uh, it was like during like 2020 when uh, they're doing like the digital stuff, and I thought that it was so ridiculous to announce that uh, so f far ahead of time. And the only reason why I could think to that is just so that way they had some sort of curve in saying that they had some just ahead of the t game when it came to like multiverse or, or like connecting universe stuff, and then they ended up becoming very late in the game. Yeah, because the movie got delayed because of COVID. <laughs> And the controversy, right. that's why I got delayed. And then on top of that, honestly, the reason they announced it is because they knew that, like, this was kind of their trump card. And they were like, okay, people are getting disinterested in DC movies, and we don't know what to do with it anymore. Let's pull back something that people actually enjoyed, and let's throw it in this movie. We're going to get people on nostalgia, because nostalgia sells. And it's even more weird, because... Uh, after this movie, it origi originally, before the whole change of regimes and James Gunn being in charge of DC, Michael Keaton, their plan was to make Michael Keaton their main Batman. 
they were going to get rid of Superman. They were going to keep Supergirl as the main Kryptonian within that universe. And this was all confirmed. Uh, he was going to be in Batgirl. He even filmed some stuff for it. He And another thing that came out that is alleged, but I honestly think is real because it lines up. They were then going to have a Batman Beyond movie with Keaton as Bruce Wayne. Oh, and, uh, I fucking wish. Yeah. That was their plans. That's what they were going to do. And then ultimately it would have all culminated into a Crisis on Infinite Earths movie where they could finally reboot everything. Now, Walter Dude, Hamada confirmed that too. How long ago did I tell you that that's like the only thing that could have salvaged them was a, a crisis event? Like, how long ago was that, Damon? That was years. Yeah, we were in high school right? and we were talking about that. Yeah, and the only time when they've ever been able to do that still successfully and by TV. successfully like release it was on TV, which is fine. You know, that that's honestly what some of the only CW television that I kind of watched for, for the most part was a lot of their crisis stuff just because I was interested to see... How, who exactly were able to grab and a lot of the stuff especially for superman i loved getting to mm -hmm. see kevin conroy i loved that you know what i mean tom welling but um, but imagine how yeah, yeah. dude now imagine <laughs> if they had done that on the big screen you know like i i had said even back in high school like if you put michael keaton and ben affleck in the same movie and put them like next to each other like people would lose their minds and it looks like they're at least in the same movie so kind of called it kind of but no one's losing their minds so kind of not kind <laughs> no one's been losing they, it they too just much. they blew their load a little too much they shouldn't just um, well told, they shouldn't have told anybody apparently unless uh, you're no go ahead i was gonna say unless you are actor tom cruise then you are a huge fan of the film and it was a smash hit but i don't think all of us are tom cruise Woo. <laughs> oh my gosh okay. okay well with all of that said and this a man yeah i can't talk today what the fuck <laughs> i'm gonna start over Take your time. Start over. Yeah, yeah so with all that being said thanks for talking on this amazing tangent but let's dive in <laughs> okay, so the Flash Rebirth is a six inchu. Uh, shit, what the fuck? I cannot talk. Six incher. <laughs> wow. What did you say? Wow. It's a, fi it's a five dollar. Uh... Oh, I, I. I I wanted to ask a quick question to you guys, and also possibly your viewers, if you want to include this. Yeah, um, we'll throw it in. It, it including the Flash. Um. What do you think is the best depiction of a speedster? Like, from any universe. It could be the boys, uh, uh, fucking, uh, tr uh... Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the way how they have their slow-mo and stuff, or, like... like honestly... Who do you think is the best depiction of a speedster? Okay. Honestly, I would have to say... Quicksilver from X-Men Days Future Past. Yeah, you knew you were gonna say that. Because... Yes. You were gonna say that. Does... Okay, I think, for me, when we see speedster shit, I want a mixture of that slow-mo shit, but I also want to be able to see them running fast as fuck. You know what I mean? Like, it has to be a good, like, mixture of that. And I think a good way of showing it was that. And I would even argue 
um, Zack Snyder's Justice League, his Flash scenes, the one scene that was cut or whatever that was in that movie, was actually pretty good. I liked that scene, too. Uh, like, also, like, disregarding just, like, how you see speedsters, what's your best, like, interpretation of a speedster? Like, to, to kind of give an example, fucking hell, I love the Flash, but I think the best depiction of a speedster was from Invincible, Red Rush. Okay. The mm. best the best use of a speedster's abilities is support. Getting your allies out of the way of danger. True. Like that's all he did that first episode like fighting Invin uh fighting uh Omni-Man and I was yeah. like, "Holy shit, why has nobody ever done this with a speedster?" Like <laughs> that is the best idea ever. Like having your speedster literally save everybody else and not attack. Like hell yeah. Like that is like uh, Wally's infinite mass punch, cool. Yeah, cool. But like, <laughs> making it so that your speedster is on support duty, making it so that like putting people in good positions, repositioning them in the blink of an eye, so that your Aquaman could shoot off water jets and then immediately shoot it from another spot, like that is yeah. good. Ass that would be a good strategy speedster. for like uh, really for any strategy. big like battle between a huge alien threat or something. You think more film would try some shit like that, but I guess it's. Very difficult to show that kind of stuff through that media. Would it be um, mine? If because like I'm thinking well, about I guess uh, it's... X Men Apocalypse when when Quicksilver did something similar when he moved all those people out of the X Mansion. They could do something like that. Oh, I guess so. Yeah, that was a cool shot. That uh, movie mine, was like questionable, but yeah. Go. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's gonna have to be. Uh, it's not from comics. It is from the DreamWorks hit animated film Over the Hedge. When at the end of the film, and all of the characters are Memory stuck in the hedge. on one side, there is Vincent the bear trying to kill RJ the raccoon because he's lost all of his food. On the other end, we have Vanessa and the exterminator trying to kill the other animals because, you know. Anyway, they give Hammy, the hamster played by Steve Carell, an energy drink. And in, he has a very similar Quicksilver moment, like from X-Men. And I would argue that they stole it from Hammy. Uh, because because it, it looks the exact same, the, or it look it, like the same way how it's like uh, handled. It's that same type of thing where he's like moving a little bit fast, but things are also still in like slow mo. So it's it's still that same property. Um, that is my favorite interpretation of a speedster. Memory unlocked. Memory unlocked. <laughs> I didn't even think of over the hedge. Oh my god! Wow. Uh, anyway, follow our Instagrams. <laughs> and TikToks. Mm. Oh wait, Jay, did you finish your last like little blurb of the of, yeah. oh, okay, okay, cool. Yep. So you can say whatever you're Okay. Um Well Yeah, I gotta say my last line. Hey, Supes, do you enjoy the music here on the podcast? Then why don't you check out our buddy Jake Voigt at jakevoigtmusic.com.